Hello, and thanks for listening to this very special episode of Fantastic Noise, where we are talking about the making of On Track in Greensand Country, an audio project produced in 2021 by the radio teaching team at the University of Bedfordshire for the Greensand Country Landscape Partnership and the Marston Vale Community Rail Partnership. I'm Terry Lee, Senior Tutor in Radio and Audio at the University of Bedfordshire. Thanks for your time and thanks for your ears. 2021 was an unusual year for most in many ways, but for me, an extra level of unusual was the amount of travelling by train I was doing. Hello, can I get a return to Bletchley, please? We'll be alighting at some of the stations too, learning about the local green sand landscape, history and characters along the way. This is On Track in Greensand Country. During April 2021, I was busy recording the voices of over 20 helpful people, whilst receiving production assistance from many, many more, creating On Track in Greensand Country, an audio journey made with the Greensand Country Landscape Partnership and the Marston Vale Community Rail Partnership. The audio was made to form part of the Greensand Country Festival in May 2021, hence the tight deadline. But why was I doing that exactly? What compelled me to spend hours of my time riding on a train? Well, it wasn't exactly my idea. I'm Sally Christopher and I'm the Community Arts Officer for Greensand Country Landscape Partnership. Thinking about various ideas for the Greensand Country Festival that could celebrate the area surrounding the Marston Vale line, which runs between Bedford and Bletchley, Sally was inspired by radio. We knew that something wanted to be created to celebrate the line. I've always been really interested in audio journeys, sound archives, something that's just a different way of interpreting the landscape or interpreting a story. And I think it's, I've been listening to a lot of radio as I was doing a lot of the work and I found it very comforting, quite soothing. And I just thought this is a good way to do it. And it's worked really well. Um, so that's that's where the idea came from. Sally prepared a commissioning document for the project and invited audio producers to apply to take it on. We did have a lot of people apply for it. The, the commissioning document was quite specific in the sense that I really tailored it towards the person because of the time frame we had. And Terry, you'll know this, it was very tight. So I needed to know that whoever won the commissioning would be almost like a self-starter, someone that could almost self-produce in a way, but wouldn't need a lot of hand-holding. And, and some projects, that's I'm very happy to do that. And that's that's a lovely way to work when you've got more time to develop that relationship. But then in this is, instance, we had two months, which is a really short space of time. Whilst I was considering whether or not to apply, I consulted my line manager, Carlotta. She was supportive, very helpful, and saw the positive impact the project might have with the university. I also knew doing this work would have an impact on my own home life for a few weeks. Hello, I'm Nell. I'm Terry's wife. I was aware I could only do this if I had the support from Nell, because it was a big job. Obviously, it would involve quite a lot of extra time 
on top of his existing working life uh, away from family life. So there was a consideration there. But I was initially really enthusiastic about it because it was an opportunity for us to find out as a family a little bit more about the local area, an area that we didn't know much about already. And there were potential for us to get involved and come along for the ride a little bit. Ultimately, Nell knows me better than anybody else does and understood exactly why I was considering applying for this in the first place. The other reason that I was quite keen for Terry to do it was because I knew that this was a project that would result in some professional fulfilment for him. He'd done similar things in the past and uh, it would be something exciting for him to get his teeth into. So I was initially very supportive. More about the similar projects I'd done in the past shortly. Another important person I spoke to was my university colleague, Dr Laurie Hallett. Not only is he passionate about radio and audio, but he is also passionate about trains. Amongst other things, we talked about how to best utilise our positions as university lecturers for this project, and we also spoke about creating two versions of the audio, one to cover the Bletchley to Bedford route, the other to cover the Bedford to Bletchley route. Laurie explains that we didn't jump into this project blindly. The reason why this project went reasonably well was because we'd done quite a bit of preparation in advance. We looked online at the history of the line. We'd spoken to people in the locality about what was important to them and what we should cover. We'd also thought about how we might involve students in the project so that we could give them experiences that they might not previously have had. And we also planned what we would do on the train and what we would do at particular locations along the line. A few weeks after submitting the application, I was really privileged to be chosen from all the applicants to make the audio piece. But why? What makes for a good application? Sally explains that, in this instance, there are a number of factors. One, I think, is your, your absolute you know, expertise in the area. And I liked how you described the options that could be, you know, the, the sort of toolkit that you came with. So the sort of university, the students, the academic side of it, um, the resources, your connections. But as important, I think more importantly, was actually your creative mind. So in a sense, you understood what we what we were asking for and you understood the time frame and you understood the sort of of what we needed it and how we needed it and also it was it was quite you you simplified it which I liked so it was just like I understand what you want and this is how we can do it um, and that came across in your application. However as is often the case with creative work previous examples of work were key. The thing that really stood out and I think is really important on anything like this is examples of work so um, I was listening to the project that you did in, in Norfolk I could listen to your you know, the radio shows the podcast that you did with your daughter everything and anything like that was was informed the choice and I think if someone's doing an application like this or anything it's about thinking about the the body of work that you've created or if you haven't actually created any work for a commission do one and use that. Sally refers there to a project I did in Norfolk in 2011 whilst I was working at Future Radio in Norwich Nelly and I created a five episode long documentary series about the Wherryman's Way footpath between Norwich and Great Yarmouth. Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of The Wherryman's Way on Future Radio. I'm Terry And for people walking The Wherryman's Way, is it how much would it cost to just come over as a passenger? 
50p. 50p? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 50p is our minimum, you know, minimum. And cyclists yeah. could... That series was great evidence that I was able to take listeners on an audio journey, although it was over 10 years ago. Luckily, the podcast series I recently created with my daughter, Primrose and Terry in the Shed, had just won the best podcast category at the Community Radio Awards. Primrose! Primrose, it's time to plan your home learning schedule for this new lockdown homeschool period. Oh, do we have to? Yep. Uh, first up, we've got spellings. Oh, I don't like spellings. Then we'll do times tables. What? Not them again. We didn't learn to enough of them at school. And then we'll have podcasting. Oh, yeah, that sounds nice. It's time for... Primrose and Terry in the shed. So although I hadn't met Sally or the rest of the panel before, I was confident they could listen to audio I had made and feel reassured that I was up to the job. It was the end of March 2021. Because of Covid restrictions at the time, the train wasn't up and running again until mid-April. So I identified that to be the period that I'd start recording. This planning period allowed me to work with Sally and Stephen Slight from the Marston Vale Community Rail Partnership on finding the best people to talk to to tell the story of exploring green sand country using this train line. Spreadsheets, research documents, hundreds of emails. To create a piece of audio like this, you need to be relatively organised. Green Sand Country Landscape Partnership even had volunteer fact-finders, historians, fact-checkers, all working for them. Some you even hear in the final audio. Hello. Hiya. Hi, Mariella. Nice to meet you, Terry. A bit chilly this morning, though. Well, yeah, the temperature... The temperature says it's not too bad, but... I know, but, yeah. I think it's just what you get used to after a couple yeah, of nice days. Yeah, is that seat any good, though? Yeah, perfect, perfect. Yeah. The added pressure of knowing that I had to send a first draft of the audio to Sally within two and a half weeks of the recording process starting, this was motivation to ensure I fully respected the planning stage and created a running order of content that I hoped to record. This planning time also allowed me to speak with Geraldine Pearson-Green, a local musician who had recently created a folk album inspired by the heritage of the area and identify some music that we could use for the audio. Geraldine kindly dug out the session files from her album to find an instrumental of her track Green Sand Ridge Walk, which will be familiar to all those who have listened to On Track in Green Sand Country. Before long, it was time for us to record. When I say us, I mean Laurie and I, who between us recorded the interviews for the final audio, but also two of my students, Anthony and Rhea, who Laurie alluded to earlier. They kindly helped by recording a lot of the train sounds you hear. I wanted the train to be at the heart of the storytelling. Rhea? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, why are you holding a microphone up to the roof of the train? to get the announcements of what stop we will be calling at next along the Marston Vale line. And, and why might we want to do that? What's the point? To let everybody know what stops there are along this journey. And how's your arm feeling? Not dead yet. <laughs> the next station is Millbrook. 
Frankly, after a lockdown, they seemed just to be pleased to be getting out of the house. Anthony was especially good at recording the sounds of arriving at the station, stepping off the train, and then jumping back on the train just before the doors shut. If anybody wants to hear hours of recording from the Marston Vale line trains, then give me a call. Laurie also recalls some of his experience recording on location for the programme. There were some good recordings at Ridgemont Station, which has both the signalling centre for the line and also a little museum and cafe. There were some great sound effects I managed to get in the museum and the recordings with the signalman uh, and they were all men, uh, was quite uh, was quite interesting. Although I have to say, this is where you have to make sure your batteries aren't out of date. I had a brand new set of unused batteries, but what I didn't realise was the date on them was 2017. So uh, I ended up doing this recording, and within five minutes I was changing the batteries. And of course the trouble is, if you do a recording the first time, the second time is never as good. So uh, there were some missed opportunities there, just because I didn't check how old my batteries were. I generally took the approach of recording as much as I could. I wanted to capture audio around the interviews, not just the parts where I sat down with contributors. Where it works, I included this natural behind-the-scenes style audio in the final published programme too. Hello. Hello. You found them. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> it is a lovely day. That was Mary Preen near Bow Brickhill Station. After recording her that day, she asked me if this audio was going to sound like Ramblings, the Radio 4 programme with Claire Balding. I hadn't actually heard it, but I certainly listened to it on my drive home that day. And it did go on to inspire elements of the programme I created. It's never too late to be inspired by professional practice. In the end, I had over 24 hours of audio recorded for this project, a combination of actuality and the on-location voices of more than 20 people. The final programme needed to be about 40 minutes long, so I knew the edit was going to be an important thing to get right. One thing about editing the audio of someone talking is that it can give you a chance in getting that person to make their point a little bit quicker. Editing audio can get that person to make their point quicker. Someone talking a little bit 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 quicker. You hopefully get my point. I spent many hours going through the raw audio, picking out the best sound bites from the interviews, cutting some 30-minute conversations down to 15 seconds, even deciding to drop entire interviews from the final piece. Because On Tracking Green Sand Country was an audio journey, momentum was important. I wanted to ensure listeners always felt like they were going somewhere, be it on the train or on a walk. This meant keeping things succinct. It also meant lots of late nights spent at my laptop. So once Terry had recorded everything out in the field, there was a period of what felt like several weeks, but was probably only a couple in reality, where we didn't see him very much. Um, he would get in from work and do a few family bits, and then he would disappear off behind his earphones doing editing until 
long after I'd gone to bed. So that was quite an intense period of time. And Terry was pretty tired trying to juggle everything and all of his other commitments. One thing I haven't mentioned so far is the distribution of the audio. We decided to use Anchor.fm as a platform to showcase this audio so it could be listened to by commuters and those online. The idea of getting the audio on various podcast platforms also appealed. So it was during the editing stage that I realised that we should be getting the podcast platforms set up. This doesn't happen overnight. The RSS code might need manually putting into some podcast platforms. Apple like to check audio before they accept podcasts on their platform. So as a placeholder... I created a short promotional trailer. Because that was an unexpected um, addition, but that was actually, you created that, didn't you, to to get us online. But it was brilliant because it meant people were already interested in the piece straight away. Coming soon. On track in Greensand country. A journey by rail on the Marston Vale line. Somebody might get trapped the wrong The trailer time. also helped to reassure the partner organisations involved that the audio was going to be finished on time. After a few days, I got to the point where I had finished a first draft of the audio. By now, I needed some other ears to listen to the project, to make sure it made sense to them, to give me honest feedback, the audio equivalent of proofreading. Calling on my hero, my wife. It was um, exciting to hear all of the content eventually because uh, Terry had recorded it and I hadn't been there. So I was actually genuinely interested to hear all of the different voices uh, for the first time. I was honest in my feedback and there were a few things that I said, in my opinion, could have been improved. There was a series of annoying train noises, which I found personally jarring, which I talked to Terry about. Um, And also, I remember that there were certain voices that I felt like I wanted to hear more from. So I fed that back as well. It felt like that period of time, there was endless back and forth for Terry, who's doing edits, sending them to various people to listen to and then having to rejig things. It felt like constantly. And um, he, he dealt with that with better grace than I would have done. Nell was right. The beeping was an example of where I had got too close to the project and hadn't really considered how annoying the beeps could be if left to go on too long. Nell was also right to highlight I was taking on feedback from the project partners too. Sally Christopher had previously edited scripts and was able to express her views on the first draft in a way that made it clear to me what needed changing. Not being brutal but just going this is you know I can think there's too many beeps at this bit and I suppose yeah I'd forgotten actually in that first there was a lot more sounds of the train wasn't there and there was a lot of content that actually we realized wasn't interesting I think it's okay to say that or it wasn't relevant to what we needed and it was there were other bits that could work better. After the first draft I quickly put together the second draft and this was shared with the other partners. But no we certainly did go through that process and then yes it was listening to the second one and then obviously sharing that with our with both Stephen's line manager and my line manager so the sort of further up the chain getting that approval um so yeah we did have a process I think at that point we were just working very quickly so it feels like a bit of a 
a bit of a blur. So it's, yes, it certainly wasn't. That's great. Just put it straight online. It, we did have to go through that process. A few more tweaks and the audio was finished and uploaded. A few days later, the reverse trip audio was also published. Was the project a success? Laurie thinks so. The final project came out pretty well, I think, because we'd done that pre-preparation and because we'd thought about how to tell the story of the line by travelling along the line, both from east-west and west to east. Um, I think the fact that we got some great recordings on the train, we got actuality of people using the train, and we got people who were knowledgeable about the subject matter. All of those things contributed to the programme. And uh, then it was very well edited by Terry to get two versions, one going one way and one going the other. And I think that uh, allowed us to explore different angles in one programme from the other and maximise the use of the recordings which we'd got. And also to uh, really reflect the work that the students put into the project as well. My wife, Nell, was pleased to have me back in the evenings, but also enjoyed the finished audio. So it was lovely eventually to hear the finished article and to listen to it from start to end and it to be a product of all of the feedback that I had given, all of the self-reflection that Terry had done and obviously all of the um, feedback that the project partners had given. I found it a genuinely interesting listen, um, but that probably says uh, something about me and my interests. And I was really proud that he'd managed to see the project through successfully um, in the way that he did. I should add, we received lots of lovely feedback from participants too, who enjoyed hearing the finished versions of their contributions. It's great to know that they were happy. We were also very lucky to receive some awards recognition for this project too, shortlisted in the Arts and Creative category in the Community Radio Awards 2021. This also helped to publicise the project, the Marston Vale train line, and the Green Sand Country Festival too. Sally Christopher was ultimately pleased with the final outcome. It's been hugely successful and so well received. At the moment, it almost feels like it's only a snapshot of people know about it. And this is one of those projects I think will be the one that has the most amount of legs, as it were, because it's it will remain relevant forever. So to quickly sum up, if you are thinking of making a documentary or an extended programme or podcast, there can be a lot to consider. Who is this programme for? Make sure, before you record anything, you have a good idea of why you are making the programme, what the aims are, who your audience is. If you're looking to be commissioned or looking to get the go-ahead to make a programme, make sure you can sum up what you are looking to create on a couple of sides of A4. When planning, plan around deadlines. With On Track in Greensand Country, I had a hard deadline with the festival event, so I knew I had to agree deadlines for drafts, etc. before then. Working backwards from there, I was able to set timescales for when I would be editing, and when I'd be recording, and when I would be planning, etc. etc. It also helps to meet your deadlines. Ask a friendly eye or ear to go over plans and go over audio too whenever possible. When you are working so closely with a project of this kind, sometimes you miss obvious issues. Honest feedback from a friend or colleague can help cut out errors when you publish or broadcast your programme. Always be inspired by other audio you've listened to. Make sure you do listen widely too. It's the most important advice I ever give my students. But above all, enjoy the experience, learn from it, and then do it even better next time.
You can search for and listen to On Track in Green Sand Country on your podcast apps. There's also a link to it on the show notes for this podcast. That is it for this special episode of Fantastic Noise. Thank you so much for joining us. Do subscribe, give us a review and a rating, and follow us on social media at A Fantastic Noise for future updates and previews. Thanks again to our guests today, Sally Christopher, Dr. Laurie Hallett, my wife Nell, and everybody, it's a long list, who helped create On Track in Greensand Country with me in April 2021. Our artwork was produced by Stu Elvin, that is Stu with a double O, and our theme music is by Liam Ayton, remixed by Daniel Potter. This podcast was produced by me for the University of Bedfordshire's radio team, part of the School of Arts and Creative Industries, and recorded in the studios of Radiolab 97.1 FM. I'm Terry Lee, and this, I hope you'll agree, has been a fantastic noise. Fantastic noise.